Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Stuff Meeting Podcast, where we talk about all the stuff. All the time. There we go, and just like, just like a fine wine, every year that passes, we have another week of past of the podcast. We have another episode, another, another week of maturing, ready for your ears to feast on. So open up your ears, open up your hearts, and come together as we listen. Two episodes. Is <laughs> it 15, 16? 16. Hello, Phil. You're right. Hi, Ben. Very well, thanks. Are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Yep, yep, yep. Um, got a guest today. Absolutely correct. We've got a guest with us today. The only individual who has told me to my face that my coffee making ability was not up to scratch. <laughs> I sent it right back in the office and told me this was not good enough. And apparently, I never knew this. And no one's ever told me this since. Apparently, when you make instant coffee, you're supposed to put cold water in first so you don't burn the coffee. Follow it with uh, hot water after. Whoa. I had no idea until I oh. met Barry. So thanks for that, Barry. Very, very helpful. Uh, we'll pass no worries, pal. Well, very good to me. We'll pass the mic to you to introduce yourself a little bit for us, if that's okay. Okay. Well, my name's Barry, and um, I work with children. Nice. Fantastic. Uh, are you, uh, do you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. Every day is different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't enjoy some of the parents. Um, yeah, but generally, overall, it's fun. Every, yeah, every day is different. They keep you on your feet. Mm-hmm. So is <laughs> um, this, are you, are you yeah. teaching children, Barry? Are you teaching them? Are you keeping them safe? What are you doing with these? I'm things? keeping them safe, yeah. Keeping the children yeah. safe. Great. Yeah. Admirable. Thank you. Have you been doing that a while? Um, about a year, nearly a year now. Yeah, yeah. Nearly a year, that's yeah, where yeah. I met Phil. Oh, yes. Taught him how to make good coffee. Wow. That's gone quick, isn't it? Yeah, well, nine, nearly ten months. Yeah. Well, known you for a, a good time, not a long time then, Barry. How about well, that? Well, this is it. This is it, Phil. Mm. Great. Well, we always kick off um, with something we've changed our mind about. Um, I think we'll kick off with, with you, Phil, this week, if that's all right. Uh, that is absolutely fine. I just need to get my notes up where I've okay. made a little bit of a list. A list? Oh. oh. So bear with me. Okay, right. I've got it right. I used to think that uh, Nigel Farage, or Farage, however you want to say it, was a little bit of a waste and I don't mean that in terms of a personal thing about Nigel. I mean it more in terms of, I don't know if you remember a few years back, Nick Griffin of the BNP went on Question Time and it was all this big kerfuffle about he shouldn't have been allowed, he shouldn't have been listened to. And I remember thinking after seeing that and then hearing some things reported about Nigel uh, Farage that they were actually very similar people, very similar kind of ideas that could be construed to be racist or not very nice. And I used to think he seems like one of these people will be in the news very briefly. He'll probably get a little bit of airtime and then he'll just disappear like so many other kind of political figures do. Mm-hmm. And I've changed my mind on that. I now think that Nigel Farage is the most effective or most successful British politician since Winston Churchill. <laughs> I'm going I for it. I agree with you, Phil. I agree with you. I absolutely love a bit of Nige. Oof. I think he should have got in years ago. I voted for him. 
UKIP. Um, and yeah, I think we need someone running the country that you can have a pint with down the pub. And I think you could have a pint with Nige. I can't think of any other politician that I do feel like if you went like if you went to a pub and he was at the pub, I do feel like I don't know this for sure, but I get the impression what I would see at the pub is what I generally see in the news. I don't think that of any other politician, exactly. which is how I rate my politicians. What you say is what you get, and that's what we want. I agree. But what I, but I maybe should just add a little slight qualification. I'm not necessarily saying that I think every single thing he said or done has been absolutely fantastic. What I mean by kind of effective is I think he has had a bigger impact on the political landscape in Britain than anyone else in terms of British politics. I genuinely don't think, for example, that Britain would be leaving the European Union or sorry, Britain would have left the European Union if it hadn't have been for Nigel. I can't think of anyone else who's had such an impact from seemingly from such a small kind of one person initial position on uh -huh. decisions that this country has made. I think it's fascinating. And then how he's reported, and this is why I've kind of changed my mind on that, how it's reported and how it's portrayed, you know, you can talk about and you can talk about the individual things he's said or done or whatever, that I genuinely cannot think of anyone who has had such an impact. I'm just going to put it yeah. out there. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think it was the media that was the downfall with him, like with all the racism and things like that. Like, it was never about the colour of someone's skin. It was about legally being allowed to live in the country and being a benefit to the country if you wanted to live here like other countries do. And everyone was jumping on the bandwagon. He's homophobic. He's racist. When... I don't, I personally never read anything that would suggest that. Being in the old LGBT plus Q XYZ community, I was never offended by him. Oh, yeah. And he's, yeah. and yeah, and to, to be, you know, he has uh, managed one of the few to stay standing tall um, and still being heard despite being turned on by. By the media, see what I'm saying? So yeah, I see yeah. What's in about effectiveness, Phil, like that. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> well, there we are. Well, that's a nice way to start. <laughs> so what I took from that, Phil, was that you love Nigel Farage. Okay, right. This is sadly, listener, an audio-only podcast. But just so you know, I'm currently showing Barry and Ben my Nigel Love Heart tattoo. That I've got <laughs> over my chest. So um, it's going to need updating because, uh, you know, with a few extra colours and a few extra flourishes. But uh, yes, you're absolutely right, Ben, with that. Um, you, sh you, sh you should get Pierce Morgan on you as well. So. Should I have him on the other side? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd even have Pierce Morgan running the country. <laughs> Would you? I like a bit of Pierce. Oh, yeah, I love a bit of Pierce. I was gutted when he left Good Morning Britain. Don't watch it as much anymore. Well, I think you're joined by quite a few there, Barry. Quite a few mm. have dropped off, haven't they? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he knows that. <laughs> he brought the ratings in from his controversial statements, mm. which he, I felt he always backed up. And I think if you can back it up, then you have the right to say it. I think that's general. I, I probably agree with that. I'm trying to think if, if mm. I'd clarify it, qualify that at all. But no, I think that's good. I think if you can back it up, if you can with, give a reason for why you think what you think, yeah. 
yeah. You should at least, at the very least, be able to say things, shouldn't you? What you think. Of course you could. Of course you should. Um, and the reason why, freedom of speech. Amen. And a woman. Uh, ben, <laughs> how about you, Ben? What have you changed your mind on? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little one today. Um, revolving around taxes. Changed my mind a fair amount about revolve my mind about the idea of taxes. Um, and I've changed my mind in that I used to think that if we just raise taxes a bit, then we'd get more tax revenue for the government, they can do more. Increase the tax rates and the revenue will follow upwards. And I've changed my mind in that that is not always the case. No. Not a hard and fast rule. Because um, it just seems to make sense, doesn't it? Make it more, then you'll get more. End of. There are many instances of instance of this not being the case. And in fact, increasing the tax rates has actually, in the end, uh, caused the tax revenue to decline. And uh, that's the opposite of what they wanted at the time. Would you like an example? Uh, ben, can you give us an example? I'll give you an example. Um, our friend Thomas Sowell, um, who's obviously listening and is, is, you know, you're welcome to come, Thomas, to the pod. Opening um, mic, Tom. Anytime. Even with even with the time differences, you know, we'd be willing anytime. Um, so here's an example. Um, the state of Maryland, they passed a higher tax rate on people earning a million dollars, okay, um, in a year, a year or more, taking effect in 2008. And the number of those people um, fell from 8,000 um, to fewer than 6,000. And so they they planned that the uh, this higher tax rate actually for these people. So they thought that these tax revenue collected from these people in Maryland would rise $106 million. Okay, so they thought it would increase the revenue $106 million. Instead, the revenues fell by $257 million. Um, because simply because of the number of people who moved to different area with different tax rate for them. As Do you reckon it, it creates a higher poverty sort of area because people are paying more taxes and they mm. can't afford out their own wage, mm. which then the government are having to support more anyway? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So in this, in this example, it was, it was just the, they only changed the tax rate for those early in a million or more. Oh, okay, um, right. But, but right, generally, I mean, in, this caused me to look at the UK tax revenues and see, like, because I've also assumed that the kind of usual view is the top 1% don't pay their fair share kind of thing. They earn loads, they don't pay their fair share. Um, and it depends, obviously, what you think the fair share is. Mm. But the bottom 50% of, of of earners in the country only... only um, contribute about 9% of the tax revenue of, right. of the UK. 30% of the tax revenue comes from the top 1%. Um, so it's that, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it should be equal, but it's a, it's a large, large um, impact that the, the taxes of the top 1%. And in fact, the top uh, 10%, really, top 10% is about 50% of the, of the tax revenue. That's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong necessarily, but mm. it can't be said that I don't think that's an unfair share, considering. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's not unfair, but 
some people would argue if you've made something of your career, your life, and you've got up into that, you're earning loads and you're in that top bracket, why should you have to pay more? Yeah. Than someone who hasn't focused on their career and wanted more for themselves. You could argue that. Mm. The more I thought about it, the more I realised it's it's less about amounts, isn't it? And more about percentages of 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 payment. So I was thinking, yeah. hang on, if um, you know, if you are in a place where seventy five percent of your income goes on your house, like you are going to struggle. You're going to struggle more. What I'm saying is, it's about your percentage of what your house costs, your bills cost. It doesn't right. really matter how much it is, but rather the 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 percentage of your income that that, that it covers. Which causes the problems. It, it's an interesting one, the increase in tax rates, though, because yes. there there is a lot of evidence to suggest that the higher you put the tax rates up, the more people are willing to go the extra step to avoid paying tax. Whereas if you drop tax rates to a certain point, people are thinking, okay, fine, like that kind of element of fair share, then I will pay. If you if you increase tax on a certain group, say people who are earning a million plus. Either they will move or they will find other ways of putting their money elsewhere so they don't have to pay tax. Whereas if you lower it, there are occasions in which seemingly you are more, you bring in more tax. So you bring, you have a higher revenue or you're more effective in bringing yeah. in revenue than if you People raise People aren't it. trying to dodge it as such. Exactly. Dodge yeah. paying it. Yeah. Exactly. Did loads of celebs get done for that years ago, having offshore accounts? Didn't Gary Barlow loses? OBE or MBE, whatever it was. Jimmy um, yeah, Jimmy Carr, a few of them. I didn't hear that, but that makes sense that they were doing it. And that doesn't, like I say, that's nothing to say with whether that's a good or good thing to do or not. It's just there is a certain element of when you say it, maybe as a politician, it sounds logical. Oh, we're going to increase taxes, we're going to bring in more tax by raising the tax rates. And then in reality, it very mm. rarely plays out like that. Yeah. I'll give you another example. Oregon, 2009, um, they raised taxes on those earning 250 grand or more. And uh, that fell, um, the tax revenues fell by 50 billion. Oof. Um, but on the other side, you've got the flip side as well. Um, the capital gains uh, tax rate, federal tax rate on capital gains was lowered in the US from 28% to 20% in 1997. So it was assumed that it would it would fall below the 54 billion collected that year. But so they projected that over the next four years they would get 209 billion. Um, so they thought that was going to cut fall, but they actually got after the cut 372 billion. So from 209 to 372 from a decrease of the tax rates um, on capital gains. So. Is that not what accountants are for as well, to teach people <laughs> how to all the loopholes? In? It's yeah. like a big circle. Yes, to understand it, it. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's what they're there for, really, isn't it? Where to hide your money, how to hide your money, and how to avoid paying as much tax as possible. Yeah, especially legally, because it's, you know, mm. like how we talk about it, you know, I think is, is important, really, and if there's a legal way to spend less money on tax, you know, that that is not 
in and of it's, it, it depends kind of where the money's from and kind of what you're putting it into and how the means by which you avoid paying tax then. But the kind of, I think the idea that if you pay more tax, that's a really good thing and that's best for everyone. And if you pay less tax, that's worse. I think that's false. So uh, I'd never understand why we don't just have like a, just a flat tax rate, say like 10%, 20% and just have the general rule. If you earn twice as much, you pay twice as much but it's the same percentage from each person. That's what I would put forward, but mm. but I'm getting ahead of myself. That's for later in the podcast. There we are. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's something uh, I've changed my mind about. If you are an accountant, you want to let us know about the errors in our thinking, please do contact us. At the Stuff Meeting is our Twitter handle. Can't promise to respond because we've got a lot to respond to. But... <laughs> <laughs> is it time for the news? Think I it think is. it is. Barry, have you got any news to bring to us this uh, this week? Any oh, I have, I have. I have. I have. I have. Yes. It sounds um, good. I was, I was very, very shocked to see on Good Morning Britain, and I don't think Piers would have allowed this if he was still on there. <laughs> um, I honestly don't. They had two people on there for and against, like they usually do mm-hmm. when they're debating something. And it was... Has Disney, Walt Disney, the production film company, um, well, the whole brand itself, got a duty of care to teach kids about consent? Because what they're saying is now that Snow White didn't have consent, didn't give consent to Prince, to the prince to kiss her while she was asleep, you know, to wake her up. Mm. And they're saying she never consented and it's what is it teaching kids about consent and I think it's I was outraged by it because we've all grown up with Disney who's ever thought of that you could you could relate it to Sleeping Beauty she was yeah. asleep and the prince kissed her look at Beauty and the Beast she was locked in a, in a cell no she was she was locked in a cell and then had to live with this beast do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like coercive control and behaviour. They'll be linking it to next. So just think, whatever next. Do you know what I mean? How, yeah. how is Snow White teaching people that they don't need to have consent to kiss people? It's mm. how many years mm. old? Yeah. I mean, I watched Snow White as a child and, I've, you know, I did have to be taught that because sometimes I would just see someone asleep and I thought, flip, I've got to kiss them. Um, that did have to be taught quite quickly. But, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, I often <laughs> really. Watch... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with Snow White, I thought that especially every time someone had fallen fallen asleep, it was because um, the evil witch had given them a poison <laughs> and snuck it into their lunch. So I assumed they needed it to be woken up. It's so, happened um, every every night to me, right? I fell asleep every night. There's a lot of poison apples going around here. <laughs> it sounds like when you're explaining them, uh, Barry. Like, who who brought this up? Who brought this up on Good Morning Britain? Like, how it did was this a start? Topic, it was a topic they were talking about, and then you had this woman saying, um, "I only caught it, you know, as I'm getting ready for work and that. And it's on in the background, and it just caught me attention." And this, there was one woman saying Disney's got a duty of care to these children to teach them about consent and all this. And there was another woman saying, well, no, she, he, he kissed her to save her life. 
Like mm, it's a life. It was for good. Do you know what I mean? There's no. It's the way you think of it, isn't yeah. it? Like you can put a negative or a positive spin on anything. Um, different people's perceptions, but I think that's wrong to suggest that something that's been around for years that's meant to be child friendly, they're trying to corrupt and put a. Were they offering? Spin were they offering that? an alternative, Barry? Were they offering? A, a suggestion to the a plot change? What did they say? No, no, no. They were just slating it. How it's wrong. Well, one mm. person was. You know what they like? They like to. They like to chuck a spanner in the, like chuck throw a bomb, let it go off, and then let people talk about it, and then you don't hear about it again, do you? Mm. Yeah. It, what I what I struggle with with things like this is. It trivialises what is actually a really important thing and it makes it seem silly. So the idea of you know needing someone's consent to engage in certain actions is a really, really important thing. Mm. And if you then liken that sort of discussion with animated cartoons where there are mirrors that tell people who is the most beautiful person in the kingdom and dwarves that live with people and poison apples and all the rest. If you then liken it to that sort of world from the 50s, I think, and make mm. out that it is equivalent, I'm really struggling to understand how that doesn't ultimately, even, even if we give, say, the benefit of the doubt and there's a good intention behind it, I don't understand how it doesn't trivialise actual conversations about you shouldn't do certain things when people are asleep. Because I don't think... Snow White is implicitly or explicitly teaching people to do that. So mm. it, it becomes quite messy quite quickly. Mm. I say that a lot, I think, that things become messy quite quickly, but I think that it does. So there we go. Mm. Doesn't help the cause. No, does it hurt? Because they're talking about a, a cartoon that's been a part of so many people's lives growing up. Yeah. I'm, tr I'm trying to think of if another example of like a film where I'm looking back at it and thinking, oh, yeah, that was a bit risky, even though there's been some time. I can't think of one off the top of my head because I'm almost certainly there'll be things I look back on that are quite old and people will have grown up on. I think looking back, oh, that's not good. That's really not good. Can't think of them now. I'm not necessarily mm. convinced that Prince Charming waking up Snow White and saving her life from the poison apple is one of those things. Good morning, Britain. They're dealing exactly. with the deep really things. Ever, ever after. Sorry, Barry. <laughs> I said, didn't they live happily ever after anyway? So where's the issue? They did until he brought mud in on his boots one day. <laughs> oh. Ran off with one of the dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, it could you... happen. We don't know. There wasn't so, number two, yeah. was there? I'm not sure, to be honest. They often bring these movies out, don't they? Um, I'm trying to think. So that's a, that's a good one, Barry. It's a good example of, uh, you know, things in the news that are actually much bigger issues that, you know, are kind of just put out there as if we can discuss them mm. quickly, which we've just tried to do. Now let's do it again. Anything else happening in the news? There is Have you seen anything? Sorry, just Googled Snow White. So there is a second Snow White film, Happily Ever After. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's well, that's old then, <laughs> Phil, have you got any news you've come across? Um, to be honest, uh, not particularly. It feels like it's been a bit of a 
weird time in the news in that there's some really important things going on, but it just feels like we're kind of used to it, kind of normalised it. If there's one piece of news, I guess, there were some local elections uh, the past uh, week. Yes. Yep. So Wales have decided with a, a turnout of, I think, 46%. So fantastic, people turning up. Um, I say that knowing full well, and apologies in advance, that I missed the deadline to register. So I am part of the 56%, uh, regrettably. But Wales basically voted Labour back in. They've not got a majority, but they voted a, a Welsh, Welsh Labour uh, return, basically. So uh, that's exciting. We've decided we want more of the same, I think. And I've been looking a little bit about the Welsh Parliament. It, it's a bit of a trend that people don't really turn up to vote. And it's a bit worrying, really, that the Welsh Assembly, as far as I see it, have a, the amount of power that they have, given that when they initially started the Welsh Assembly in, in the late 90s, mm. I think it, it works out about one in four people who live in, in Wales would have voted for the Assembly to take over. And even though they didn't have the legislative powers then, that's still, it, it has eventually obviously snowballed into that. So that's a piece of news, some local elections. Mm. Labour haven't done too well in England. They've done well in Wales. That's about it, I reckon. Yeah. What do you think about the talks about the new potential referendum with um, Scotland? Mm. Oh yeah. Yes, because they in those elections, <clears throat> the SNP did gain a bit, didn't they? As more seems to be a majority for independence in the Scottish Parliament now. Mm. Um, Wasn't the, it yeah. quite close before as well? Yes. Um, yeah, it's just very interesting because now they're talking about when it's going to happen rather than if. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I don't. I know very little about it, uh, to be honest. Bit about you, Phil? No, uh, the Scottish National Party did well, I think. I don't know if they quite got a majority, if I remember off the top of my head, in their own little assembly thing. But I shouldn't say little. Sounds like I'm being patronising, which I don't mean to be intentionally. But Nicola is saying, like you say, that it's when, not if. And she told Boris so, I think, when he was planning mm -hmm. this COVID recovery. So good for you, Nicola. I think it's it's going to keep coming up, isn't it? And I, I am finding it interesting how votes can be... When votes are very close, but they go a particular way, they just fall off the map. And if they're very close in a different way, then they, we have to keep having the discussion. So yeah. just as an example, when... Uh, and it's relevant. When Wales voted for the Welsh Assembly in 97, I think they had the referendum vote, the yes vote or campaign... I think it was in like 50.3% of people who voted. And it wasn't, I think only about 50% of people did, but 50% of those who voted, 50.3 voted yes, 49.7, I think. So talking about 0.6 of a percentage voted no. Then Welsh Assembly was established, full stop. Then Brexit happens, or the independence referendum happens. And, you know, they're, you know, they're not as close as that, but they're, but we're pretty close in lots of ways. And then also we have to keep having conversations about whether the right decision was reached. And it just feels a bit like this feels a bit sneaky, like as if people have voted the wrong way. So let's keep going and going and going. I know Brexit eventually got over the line, but it does impact like, the independence stuff for Scotland is going to keep being a story until there's a real decisive vote against it. And maybe that won't mm -hmm. happen. Maybe we'll keep talking about it.
Who knows? Was it 1997, you said? When, when Wales voted for the Welsh Assembly, yeah, I think they did the vote oh, in 1997. Oh, oh, I thought you meant Scotland. I was going to say I thought it was more recent. <laughs> yeah, no, that's gone quickly. I think it was about 2014, I think. They had that yeah, one. yeah, I thought so, yeah. yeah. My dad, Phil, my dad. Not at all, Barry. Uh, not at all. So, yeah, I'm trying to think. Labour had a bit of a reshuffle, or they were in the process of having a reshuffle, didn't they? In the on in the wake of not doing so well in mm. their own councillor elections in England, but it's getting very difficult to keep up. Do you guys? What do you guys think of all this devolution stuff? It's getting difficult to keep up. I find we didn't have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> What's devolution mean? So, like giving more power to uh, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales. Oh yeah, I think if Scotland won it, give it um they they do a lot on their own anyway. They get free university tuition fees for um for students. They've got different laws, different do you know what I mean? Let them have it. Mm. Why 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 does the United well, England, I don't know about Wales, but have to pay nine thousand two hundred and fifty pound tuition fees to get an education a year. But Scotland don't, and we're meant to be the United Kingdom. We're not clearly that united, are we? So services are different up there um, from people that I know. Mental health, a lot more support. Um, yeah, mm. homeless. I know there's high poverty areas, but um, yeah, I think people get housed a lot quicker as well from people personal experience should I say I don't know statistics on that but yeah yeah fair enough Barry that's fair enough I think it could well be a possibility we could well have an independent Scotland and Wales in the near future but we'll see we'll see it's a possibility not a problem can't see it being much of like impacting the United Kingdom of England that much can you? I think prob- COVID has kind of changed. If you'd asked me that about three years ago, I'd have probably said it would have been significant. Now it seems less so because they are taking on more responsibility for themselves and they are making uh-huh. their own decisions. The, the real problem I have, and I say this as living in Wales, the real problem I have with it is that they don't carry the responsibility for the consequences of their decisions. So Wales will make decisions with money that is ultimately will come via Westminster and then we'll never have to suffer the consequences for bad decisions or for decisions they can't afford. So using maybe your example, Barry, about uh, tuition fees, mm. if Scotland are not putting up the money to pay for that, but it's coming throughout the whole of the United Kingdom in whatever way, if that's the case. Oh, really? Well, no, I'm just saying if that is the case. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that, I get you. Then it means that you're not really balancing your own books and then someone else carries the consequences eventually for it. I know that's uh-huh. part of politics, but it is annoying. Of course. Yeah. Also, this is a big news, okay? Uh, this might overlap with something anybody might want to change, so, uh, you know, we could hold, off the, hold the phone on this, but I've been reliably informed that soon I'm allowed to hug loved ones. Mm. Oh, next week, huh? Next week, Barry. So I've got to do it safely and cautiously, but I'm allowed to. Tell me you hold your breath when you hug. I think you and look get away. get consent as well, Phil. Get consent as well. Exactly. You've got no surprises. 
Are you a yeah, hugger that's... though? Sorry, Ben. Are you a hugger? Um, not especially. Uh, I do like a hug. I've, I'm of the school that if you're giving someone a hug, it means something. I don't just try to give them out. I don't refuse one. If someone's coming towards me, I won't be like, sorry, it's not that deep. But I won't initiate a hug unless maybe I'm leaving uh, somewhere I live to say goodbye. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm doing a hugging motion, listeners, to the air around me. That sort of thing. How about you, Ben? Am I a hugger? Yeah. No, I would not embark upon the hug train. A hugger, hugger, hugger. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm probably similar. I've never thought about it that way. It wanted to mean something. Um, I do a lot of the, you know, when you, 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 you kind of slap your hands together and pat your back, pat the back. Understand if I describe that theory is okay? You smack your hands together like a handshake, but a cool one. Oh, yeah. And and pull it in. And then, pull it in. Yeah. Put your arm around like a half hug. Um, you still got a barrier there with your arm between. So if they try anything, you can you can get them off. You're not. It's not as vulnerable. <laughs> that's very cool. That's very cool. Barry, you're, I'm sure that's what all the kids are doing these days, isn't it? No, it's the um, sticking the fist out now, you know, clenching the fist and just Pumping each fun. other's fists together. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And do you but explode as now. well when they hit? Do you... No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no they'd probably laugh at you if you'd done that. <laughs> Especially these many little gang members. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do, do you do that? Do they do that with you, Barry? Or are you not at that level yet? The odd one, but you've got to watch it. I mean, you've got to have the professional boundaries. Um, so you know, yeah, I'm all about professional thing. boundaries, Phil. <laughs> Absolutely. No, well, there we go. Well, I'm glad we've got to the bottom of that. <laughs> um, some other important news. I don't know if you heard about the young boy, the four-year-old boy who bought 918 SpongeBob ice lollies for $2,600 on Amazon. <laughs> no. He, uh, he loves SpongeBob. Um, you dope so, haven't you? <laughs> as the article describes, he loves the absorbent and yellow and porous cartoon character. It literally says absorbent and yellow and porous. Who's <laughs> uh, put this together? This is Sky News, is this? Um, so, yes, he, he basically got on his mum's phone and ordered loads of them. Um, and what surprised me is that she made a... She, a fundraiser was set up to help her pay for the ice lollies because um, Amazon wouldn't take them back. Um, and she's raised $14,000 um and said that she's gonna pay it back and the rest of the money is gonna go in a fund for him for his education oh great great lessons well, learned there yeah how on earth do we know that this actually happened i'm gonna i'm gonna buy a load know, of where, where was she starring though as well yeah <laughs> yeah where did they go yeah who knows defrosted all over the sofa <laughs> Section three, mm -hmm. what are you going to change to make this world a better place? Barry, do you want to kick us off? You got anything that you would change? Wow, well, I'm always, I'm already changing the world, one young person at a time. There you go. Absolutely true. My charity work, my, I'm only messing. But um, no, <laughs> my job, I'm helping individuals change on a daily basis. Yeah. And, do you see that as an effective way to change, to, to create change? I think that's a good way to do it. 
sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. You can only do so much, can't you, to sort of empower someone. The more you do stuff for them, they just never learn. So it's whether they've got the motivation as well, which a lot of people in this country are lacking. So yeah. that's a massive barrier. Um, but yeah. I don't know what else I'd change. Come back to me and I'll probably have a I'll probably think of something. Okay. Uh Phil. Well, um where to start? I think I'll go for today. I'm gonna go for a, a cultural change. So I'm currently working in a school in Wales, in a secretary school. And one thing I have been frustrated with, I think is the best way to phrase it is the lack of desire amongst a lot of children to do well in class mm. or in school. I'm really, I'm, I don't like shouting in class. And this isn't something you can really shout about. I try to be as calm as possible, but I can feel the frustration growing in me when I'm in certain classes, especially, where there's this kind of expectation that you're a loser or you're lame if you do well in like a test or if you try hard at school and I think it's more damaging probably than we realize so the expectation that you're there for a bit of a laugh to hang out with your mates and all the rest of it over time I think it really I'm just as an example a few pupils in a class I was in this week the entire lesson it felt was devoted to managing really silly low-level disruption in conversation where they just didn't want where, where other people were working quite well and they just didn't want to work well and I just worry that for for these children in particular they just don't want to be seen like spots or teachers mm. pets and it's more about presenting yourself in a certain way than actually doing well and whether the education system is structured in a good way and whether the emphasis we put on exams is a good thing or not wanting to do well for yourself and wanting to try hard and work hard is a really good thing and it i would change that amongst children so that they really yeah. did value doing well in school or in life and didn't value what their friends said as much and i know that sounds like pie in the sky stuff but that's what i would change if i could mm, yeah no, well, I, I totally agree with you because i can link that to my job still can't i there's a lot yeah. of I'd, I'd love a lot of them the, the kids, young people that I work with, to be like that. Do you know what I mean? Get their heads down. Think of um, of, of being intelligent, engaging in work is cool, rather than bonking off school, being disruptive. Do you know what I mean? Engaging in risky behaviours. As do you know what I mean? They they think yeah. that's cool. So mm. it's, it's society's changed as well. I think children. They know more what they can get away with now. Times aren't as hard sort with parents as well. Because, um, say, 80s, 90s, a lot of people wouldn't dare batch at the parents and things like that. Do you know what I mean? People used to get a slap, uh, like physically chastised off the parents, not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. Um, it's it's just what happened. Um and now all that you can't do that you can't do this and a lot of these children are sort of running rings around the parents the school teachers Mm. people in the community it's society's changed massively is what i'm saying and kids just do what they want now yeah 
I think I think that's fair. And it, it's difficult. You can't you know do it from the front of the class. You can't encourage or put in. You can't like kind of program a child or a class. No. The value your educational value. Yeah. Certain you know not even like value this particular lesson, but just value the opportunity you have in now to kind of learn how to take instruction and to learn and to develop certain skills. But there we go. That yeah. I think you're right. Would, I agree with you, Barry. Would you bring back the cane, Phil? Oof. Now, do you know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Now, with all this in mind, I don't want to be a teacher who takes messing around, but I, I really am uncomfortable. And I think it actually, Barry, is probably doing the sort of work that you're doing now. Uh-huh. I feel really uncomfortable with screaming and shouting at children. Yeah. And I find, and this is part of, it's a bit of a paradox, I guess, maybe, but... Part of the difficulty is so many children who don't care and who, who have an attitude and don't want to listen, a lot of the time they are shouted at and screamed at or not treated very well at home. You know, not always. I'm not saying that that's the reason why that people pupils are like that at times. But I have a real... It just doesn't sit right with me kind of screaming, shouting or intimidating children. I do not like intimidating children. And I'm probably making a rod for my own back here. And this is why I struggle with managing them. But um, I wouldn't bring back the cane because I'm not. I think, you know, it sets the wrong thing. But I would be fascinated to see if this was traced in any particular way, how schools have coped and how behaviour has been since the cane was removed. I'd be fascinated to see the impact that removing, you know, physical punishment has had on educational outcomes because it would just yeah. be interesting to see wouldn't it no definitely yeah i've never thought of that i'd like to see it as well maybe you should do some research phil maybe we could do it together barry maybe maybe it's settled then hope it doesn't involve <laughs> time travel that'd be tricky yeah true. We? work on something ben how about you what would you change um well i was just gonna say i just thought um about what we're saying in that in the in the privileged position we are in in this country in the majority of us don't we our focus is on future isn't it you you work hard to get a job to get money so you get money so you can be comfortable because we're in a privileged position where we're able to think about the future rather than thinking about the present in a place where you don't have much you have to do xyz today in order to eat um, in order to survive and therefore you do value the everyday things and the opportunities you get because um, you think about people who walk miles for school who um, who value education and it seems that those are the places where on from the outside they have little but they value the things that are important and it seems that with what we've called progress where we have more stuff and have more security it seems that we begin to value things that are less important. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Because we live like kings yeah. to some countries, don't we? And what we have available to us. Yeah. And uh, like I say, when you've not got to work for it and like some other countries got to struggle, p- people don't appreciate it as much. Mm. School is something that has to happen. You have no choice. Yeah. Go and do it. Um, and some countries would die to... to to be forced to go to school, wouldn't they? Yeah. So it's yeah. yeah, interesting. 
That's mm-hmm. very true. And kind of maybe tying them all together, when you work with an accompanied asylum-seeking children, so who can, people who've come from other countries and you know, really dangerous routes and put a lot of energy and effort to come to this country, the value they place on being able to go to college and learn certain skills, it's really encouraging. And because it is the norm in this country, because we're so privileged, we kind of maybe undermar- and uh, we, we over skate over it a little bit don't we but i'm challenged by what you've said ben because um it's something that i've been thinking about and praying about actually more recently is asking god like we're encouraged in the bible christians are encouraged in the bible to be content with what god has given them and um i don't i'm not content and i always want more and i'm always looking to the future and sometimes we forget to look at the present don't we so Mm. um thank you ben that's a good one i'll take that to mind uh, thinking about what I'd change, I just, um, it's just gone out of my head. It's gone from my brain, guys. I'll have to save it for next week. I'll write it down this time when it comes to me. Um, there we are. I think that's good. Barry, thanks so much for joining us. That was quick. There you go. Probably the battery's going to go as well. There we are. Good timing. Time flies when you're having fun, Barry. Sure does, mate. Right, can I go then? Of course, Barry. Pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining. Thanks. Take care. See you. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Free to go. um, Yeah, but I'm just thinking, uh, it's just come to me right at the end. There's it because this was something we talked about earlier, but in terms of the consent stuff, there's a really good video on YouTube about drinking a cup of tea. Mm. or being offered yes. a cup of tea which yeah. i think is a general rule just to kind of tie that off because it was a bit i'm just trying to think of what um i think that's a good way of looking at it in terms of uh, if you want basically it goes along the lines of so i ask you for a cup of tea and you don't want a cup of tea and you say no you don't get a cup of tea that should be the line you know the general line i think mm-hmm. of, of consent despite what can be complicated conversations about consent they don't need to be and there is a certain nuance needed at times but i think that general rule of asking for a cup of tea and seeing that in a similar sort of sense. If they can't say no, if they say no to cup of tea, don't give in to them. If they say no to particular actions, do not engage in them. I think that's a good way to go. But yeah, that was just came to mind at the end. Okay. Thanks for that clarification there, Phil. Any questions, guys, as always, do let us know at stuffmeeting at gmail.com or on Twitter at The Stuff Meeting. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for allowing us in your ears. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you.